Good morning. So, um, as you heard now, my name is Ruan. Um, I'm an eldership here at the AM congregation. Um, awesome to be sharing this morning. Yeah, last service officially for us for the year. And I actually want to just build a bit on what has been shared over the last two weeks. So I realize there's a lot of people who missed out on the last two weeks, but Saki started off two weeks ago looking at a theme from the book of Galatians. And then last week, Kala also touched on that, um, like speaking about the law versus like the freedom that we have in Jesus. And I, I would really encourage you guys to go listen to that um, if you weren't here the previous two Sundays. Um, I hope to color it in such a way that um, it, you don't miss out on what I'm saying if you haven't listened to them. But just before I, I get into it, I, I quickly want to pray for us. And um, I was just thinking now during worship, the interesting thing with, with legalism, and if I speak about legalism, it's just like there's that tendency that draw in us to a strict adherence to rules and law and like make sure that I'm ticking the boxes. The interesting thing with that in us is that we, we tend, when people speak about it, we tend to identify it in others' lives. And we see, it's like, oh, this person needs to hear this, so, like what this guy is saying. Like these are the things, like it's obvious in other people's lives, but we often overlook it in our own lives. And I, I just want to Want us to pray, want us to open our hearts, allow God to come and search us and point out these things in our own lives. So Jesus, we come open ourselves up to you. Thank you, as we've heard, that you desire us to walk in freedom, Lord. Uh, and I ask that any trace of legalism, any, anything that, that steals from the freedom and the life that you have called us to, Lord, that you would highlight it. Lord, I, I pray that we won't just look over, over our own legalism and, and identify other people's, but that we would see just the areas that, that we are still holding on to things that keep us in bondage. Pray that you'd speak to us, Lord. We want to come under your word and allow you to come and show us a better way. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So I want to read Galatians 3, verse 1 to 3 quick. So Paul's writing to Galatians, and I'll color in a bit more, and he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And I'll unpack this a bit more, but I think just just something I want to say, and I often do hammer on this, just when we, when we read the Bible, we have to realize that although like, we learning from this, and by the Spirit, God makes us alive to us, it's like the New Testament authors are writing to people in a specific context at a specific point in time. And here we see in the, in the first, um, in Galatians 3 verse 1, he speaks about, like, these people were, some of them might have been, like, witnesses to Jesus's crucifixion, or at least they heard like firsthand the things that have happened. They heard firsthand from the apostles, like the freedom that is found in Jesus. And then we see this group of people who have received, like had received salvation through faith, by grace alone, not by works of the law, falling back into the law. 
And it's interesting, like, just he was saying, it's like, you started off this journey in the spirit, and now you're falling back into the works of the flesh. So it's people, it's not just written to, like, outright people in a Jewish context who haven't experienced Jesus. It's like they've actually experienced this thing. They've experienced the freedom that it is to walk with the Lord. They've, they've known what the truth really is, and they find themselves falling back into works of the flesh again and by the law. So last week, Kala, um, he used this example of union. It's like the marriage relationship between when he said the law and with Jesus and like touched on the various aspects of, of like how the law would keep us in bondage, like what the, the ways of the law is and what the ways of Jesus are. And in terms of the content that Kala was speaking about, I would say like probably at least 90% of it I've heard before. It's like if, if you have come from a Christian background or at least been to some form of Christian event, you would have heard something about the freedom of Jesus and freedom from the law, freedom of works, freedom of striving. But just considering Kala's message after the service last week, I'm like, it's, it's insane for me to think how oftentimes I find myself falling back into the trap of legalism. Like a lot of the stuff that he said, I'm like, oh, shucks, this thing has actually crept into my life a little bit again. And it's just interesting to think about that. Like, how is it that when we have experienced the freedom that there is in Jesus, when we've heard this message of truth, like freedom from the law, like I do not have to work to earn God's grace. I don't, I don't have to work to earn his acceptance. Like I get to walk by the Spirit. I get to walk freely. Yet every now and then I find myself falling back into that. And it's like with that kind of bewilderment that we see Paul also writing. It's like, are oh, you foolish? It's like you've begun by the Spirit, and now all of a sudden you think you're going to perfect yourself according to the flesh. It's like, I find that in myself so often. It's like, I've come into this knowing that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. And then as time goes by, it's like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to make sure that this thing is in place. And I find myself grabbing onto a different kind of law again. And it feels like a bit of a toxic relationship to, to speak, like to grab onto what Carla was saying. It's like, we know that this isn't right, and yet we find ourselves returning to that same thing again and again. So just considering this, there's, there's three points that I, I was just thinking that, that push us or that cause us to gravitate back to falling into legalism or wanting to grab a hold of of the law. And I, I want us to just consider that in our own lives a bit and then consider what Paul writes as the alternative. So the first one is the desire for clarity and control. And that's the thing with, with the law. It's like there's a set of instructions. It's like, I want to know what do I need to do? I want to know what is expected of me. I want to know what the boundaries to this thing is. And knowing that, I can prepare myself, I can give myself in that way. I, I know, it's like, okay, cool, in this situation, this will be expected from me. <laughs> There's a lot of giggling because we know it's true. 
It's like even in in relationships and stuff. It's like just tell me what you want. <laughs> like just tell me how I can keep you happy, what I can do for you. <laughs> I'm getting a, a funny look here from someone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy just how, how we desire that sense of clarity, how we want to be in control in our walk with God to know, just like, ah, oh, I want to know what God is going to ask of me. I want to know what is going to be expected of me. But as we'll see just now, <laughs> God offers us a better way that's beyond our control. The second thing that I would say that keeps us returning back to the law is the desire for feedback or some sort of evaluation mechanism. And it ties into what I was saying firstly, because if I know what is expected of me, I can measure myself according to that. So I can know when I'm doing well and when I'm not doing well. I can lift up my shoulders, worship nicely, because I know that I'm in the green because I've ticked certain boxes. Or at some point, I can consider my life, it's like, oh, flip, I've dropped the ball in these areas, Now I need to step that up first before I can do X, Y, or Z. And so legalism, the law, having a set of rules gives us a false sense of assurance in the way that we are living out our Christian walk and the way that we are relating to the Lord. And if we look at the book of Galatians and the things that Paul touches on, it's like he, he nails a few things that the Galatians were trying to, to like put emphasis on and think that they're doing well in. And you see him touching on food laws, like thinking like, okay, if I, if I eat these things and don't eat these things, I'm achieving something. Keeping the feasts and Sabbaths, like, I'm better than these guys if I follow these things. And Carlo is saying, it's like calling it Passover and not Easter. Or like using certain names or celebrating in a certain way. All of a sudden, it, it gives the sense of assurance that I'm doing well. Certain bodily things like circumcision. It's like it's, all of these are very measurable. It's like it's a very yes, no kind of thing. Like I've done it. I'm in the right I'm not done. I haven't done it, so I need to step up and do these kinds of things. And with what Paul also writes is like how you've started in the spirit and like moved over into the flesh. I think in in our sort of context, it 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 can become more subtle than like circumcision and and food laws. But we can start measuring ourselves by our performance in a church context. It's like. Okay, how consistent am I in attending community group? If I attend at least 75% of the time, I'm doing well. It's like, what is my participation looking like when we are in these kinds of settings? Like, think about my year. I, I think I brought a prophetic word twice. Like, I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> or outside the church context, just in your personal walk with God, it's like we, we start developing these metrics of, of like our our devotion. So what is my quiet times looking like? How much time have I spent during the week? It's like, okay, three days I spent an hour, so it's fine this morning if I sleep in a bit. And now I sleep in for five days, and all of a sudden I'm feeling bad, and now I feel I need to spend the whole Saturday in worship and in prayer just to make up for that. <laughs> but it's, it's like we, we put these things in place for ourselves and not actually to be pleasing unto to the Lord. It's like, 
I feel a sense of achievement. I feel a sense of comfort in knowing that I tick these boxes. But the thing is, it, it reinforces this, this concept of like, in order to be accepted, in, in order to, to experience the love and the, and, and the freedom of God, I need to do this, this, and this. And the thing that, that, that Paul also touches on is, is like, it's not just about the what your rules are. And that's why I, I try to make the distinctions. Like for these guys, it might have been the old like Jewish traditions of circumcision and feasts. But it's not just about the, the level. It's like, oh, I, I need to wear a tie or like whatever. It's, it's like even in the most subtle thing, as soon as it becomes a thing of the law, of the tick boxes, of, of thinking I need to do in order to get to, it's like that's where we're missing the mark. And the last thing that, that I want to touch on that I think causes us to gravitate towards legalism is, is the fact that it, it can be seen as transactional. And what I mean by this is if we consider the law, and, and even like if you think um, in, so I, I studied engineering. One of the modules that we had was material science, and it was like, you study what the laws of certain materials are. Because if you know what the laws are, you can, you can like manipulate them to get to a certain outcome. And I think it's, it's the way that we often handle things of God as well. It's like the law gives us a, a set of prescriptions. If you do this, then this will happen. And so I know if I give myself to a lot of this, I can expect certain outcomes. It's like, I know that if I'm tithing faithfully, if I'm generous, God will provide. <laughs> it's like, if I do this, it's like, Lord, if I, okay, I'm going to, if I'm going to spend every morning in prayer, and then I expect you to give me clarity about what I need to do with my life. Clarity around whether I should pursue this person or not. It's like, if I'm going to be faithful and, and serve you well and give myself to community groups, like, I expect you to increase my capacity and give me a better life, give me a promotion at work or whatever. It's like, we crave that kind of control of, it's like, knowing if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to give myself to God, He will come through in these areas. But also, it can become a way to, to gauge how much of myself do I need to give to God in order to just please Him enough and make sure that I'm living a good life. <laughs> it's like, where, how much is He expecting of me? I, I just do enough so that I don't get in trouble, so that I please the people around me, that He blesses me, but I still actually want to hold on a a bit to my own life, my own way of doing things and seeing things and pursuing things. Because the reality is the alternative to that is quite scary. <laughs> it's like just considering the fact that doing the same thing might result in different outcomes. Like certain people, oh, okay, I, I feel this conviction to, to give towards something, and I give, and God comes through, and He blesses me incredibly. It's like, I see that. It's like, oh, there's a recipe here. If you give, you're going to be blessed. <laughs> and I give, and it doesn't happen in the same way for me. Well, it's like, I, I start 
like I start seeing something of the value of church, and I'm like, okay, cool. I need to do these things, and then people will acknowledge me and put me in some leadership position. And you start doing it, and it just seems like you're being overlooked completely. <laughs> it's like, God, but come on, I've, I've been giving myself so faithfully. Or just like you hear stories of, of how the Lord has spoken to people and given them direction in their lives and the things that they're supposed to give themselves to. And you're like, okay, I'm going to be fasting Monday every, like each Monday. I'm going to be praying regularly and seeking God's face. And he just doesn't make it clear to you. And it's like, it's, it's a flawed view of God. And it's a flawed wave of seeing the way that he works. It's, it's not just this law of, if you do X, you will get Y. The other, other scary thing is also living by the Spirit and living the life that Jesus has called us to. We can't gauge, I can give this much and keep this much to myself. It's like, it's going to cost my life. It's going to cost everything that I have. And therefore, it's like this Having the law, having something to grab on, it's like, it's easy. It's, it's, it, it makes sense why we tend to gravitate towards it. And so if we look at what Paul says in, in, at the start of Galatians 3, or you know, that Galatians 3 verse 1 to 3, he, he makes a distinction between the works of the flesh, speaking about like trying to keep the law. And so I would say that all of these things that I've been speaking about, you would consider the works of the flesh, like the works of the natural man, the things that I do in my own power. And he contrasts that to what he says, being in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. And so I want us to consider just the, that alternative. It's like if, if we know we're not supposed to live by the law and the works of the flesh, the thing that Paul does give us is walking by the Spirit. And we, we see this in, in Galatians where he spends about four chapters disentangling this thing of, of like striving, trying to achieve the law, like showing how wrong it is. And then in Galatians 5, we get to him speaking about walking in the Spirit. So I'm going to read two quite long portions, and then we'll consider it a bit more. So Galatians 5, verse 16 to 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. <laughs> but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Then the other portion um, that I want us to, to read is Romans 8, verse 1 to 11. And 
the book of Romans, we, we also actually see a very similar theme that, that Paul writes. Um, and if you put the like Galatians and Romans next to each other, you'll see him using actually quite the same examples of, of Abraham, um, of, of like being justified by faith. And, and there we see him like building seven chapters of like what is righteousness in God? What is freedom from sin? What is freedom from the law? And then we get to Romans 8 and we read verse 1 to 11. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so reading this as someone who likes my principles, who likes my checklists, I'm like, you just spent seven chapters telling me like exactly where I'm missing it and like how I'm not supposed to do it. And it's like, Paul, come on, give me some more to work with you. Like, tell me how does it look like to walk according to the Spirit? <laughs> it's like, you're telling me how I'm not supposed to do it. And now it's like, you just saying, it's like, okay, so the alternative is, Walk by the Spirit. I'm like, okay, but what does that look like? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Like, what, what are the checklists here? Like, what are the practices that I need to put in place? And it's like, again, I'm missing the point here. It's not about just a simple checklist of do this and do that. And so I want us to just consider the language around, like, life according to the Spirit. And just to show the contrast of that with a, a simple checklist. And disclaimer, like, it is uncomfortable. Like, it, it, is, it is contrary to, <laughs> here's the things that you need to do. So uh, I want us to consider three things with regards to this. So the first thing that I just want to emphasize is that it is impossible <laughs> without being born again. And we see this, Romans 8, verse 8 and 9, where Paul says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so pause on that. And it's like, it is impossible for you to be pleasing unto God in your works, in your natural man. If we go on to verse 9, he says, it's like, the way that you are not going to be in the flesh and in the spirit is if the spirit of God dwells within you. Then he says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so, if you have not been born of God, 
the Spirit of Christ does not dwell within you, and it is impossible for you to be pleasing unto God. No matter how much you are attending church, no matter how much you are praying, no matter how much you are reading the Word, no matter how much you are putting aside your sin, unless you come to Jesus by His work, you will not be able to be pleasing unto God. And so if we come to Him, the, the flip side of that is if we have come to Him, we have the Spirit of Christ dwelling within us. And now the consideration is like, okay, I've got the Spirit of Christ living within me. So if this is the alternative to, to legalism, walking by the Spirit, like, what is Paul saying here? Like, what does that look like? And so I want us to just look at some of the words that Paul uses around this. So in Romans 8 verse 5, he speaks about living according to the Spirit. In Romans 8 verse 6, he speaks about setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. In Galatians 5 verse 16, he speaks about walking by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 18, being led by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 25, living by the Spirit. And so rather than giving us a checklist of the things to do to live according to the Spirit, Paul uses language that's relational. He uses language that speaks about communion and intimacy, of walking alongside, of, of walking in, in closeness and proximity, of experiencing the beauty of like organic relationship, not just works, and also not just some hyper-spiritual expression. I think that is the danger sometimes just in charismatic circles is that we make living and walking by the Spirit, like measuring ourselves according to signs of healing and prophecy and, and things like that. But again, if we consider this kind of language that Paul is using, it's that every day I'm putting my mind on the things of God. I'm getting in the Word and allowing Him to come and speak to me. I'm dwelling on the things that He has he's spoken to me about as I make day-to-day -day decisions. As things come up, I'm not just acting on it. I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive to Him. And it's like I'm, I'm allowing the reality of the Spirit of God not some checklist, not some rule, the Spirit of God that now dwells inside me to dictate the way that I live, to dictate the way that I respond, knowing that I might be faced with two scenarios at different times, and He might lead me in different ways in how to react to that. But there's this fluidity, there's this organic thing of responding to the way that He leads. And the last thing I want to say, it's with regards to the way that we measure ourselves, it's, it's interesting. It's like, in, and we can maybe look at that again, just in Galatians 5. I'm sorry, I know I didn't give you that, but just the fruit of the Spirit again. And it's like, how do I know? It's like, how do I know that I'm walking according to the Spirit? And again, Paul, it's like, consider the fruit. Consider, like, what is coming out of you. It's like, it's not just a individual action. It's like, if I consider my way of life, if I consider when I'm placed in a situation, what comes out of me? Does it reflect love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If I'm going to be giving myself to the things of God and allowing the Spirit to, to govern the way that I walk, this will be the fruit that I start bearing. And again, like I said up front, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's like, okay, but tell me, what, is, what does gentleness really look like? Like, how do I know if I'm being gentle? How do I know if I'm really being joyous? And it's like Paul, who, who's not scared of unpacking stuff. <laughs> I mean, he spent seven chapters in, in the book of Romans unpacking certain things. I think there's a deliberate ambiguity, a deliberate open-endedness here. Like, knowing that this thing needs to find an expression in your own life. Knowing that it, it needs to, to play out and the, the fruit needs to be specific to you and your circumstances. And so, that's just what I, I wanted us to consider today. And, and I want us to take a moment just in, in response to this, to consider, like, how much of the first part of, of what I shared Am I holding on to? Like, are there those things that I said that you relate to, that you're grabbing onto, and like causing yourself to find I'm in that loop of wanting the rules, wanting the checklist, wanting to be in control, wanting to know that I'm, I'm taking things off in terms of the things of God?